Hey, funny business listeners, before you guys jump into another red hot episode from the boys, I just wanted to jump on quickly. It's Caleb Holstein, co-founder of Squarex Innovations here. As Aussies, we love our coffee, and the Australian coffee scene has long been a global benchmark for quality and innovation. And now, I'm pumped to introduce you to our best invention since the flat white, Squarex's first product deployment, GreenSquare. GreenSquare is a holistic ag tech software suite enabling coffee roasters and importers to take control of their largest product cost, green coffee. At SquareX, we're securing the digital future of the coffee supply chain and beyond. Enjoy the app. Hello and welcome to Funny Business. A little bit of funny and a little bit of business. And look, there's no Rob today on the intro, so it'll be short and sharp. But we got Julia Kay, co-CEO and co-founder at Great Rap, doing some awesome stuff. Really love what she's building with her husband. Love the fact that they're doing it out in Tullamarine, represent. I feel like you're going to really dig this chat. Uh, enjoy. You know? Julia, thank you so much for jumping on. Take two for yeah. those listening. Yeah. Uh, oh. Jumping on the Funny Business Podcast. Explain the story before you, before you get into it. Well, we went to, before we can say, Julia, yeah. who are you and what do you do first? Yeah. Then I can maybe can tell the story. All right. Well, what, it is your show. Hey, Julia, show. tell us who are you and what do you do? <laughs> um, I am Julia. I'm co-founder and co-CEO of Great Wrap. Um, we manufacture compostable stretch wrap using really interesting feedstocks, including uh, food waste and other products. I feel like this is one of those chats that me and Locke were pretty excited about because you just do something so different and it's in a nice way to say, like we have a lot of people come on and not that we don't like software companies. It's not a, Oh, we hey, love it. We love everything. If, you, if you've had, if you come on the pod before and you do software, don't take this as a hit, but it's more like <laughs> manufacturing, doing something completely different, completely out there. How did that all happen? Yeah, it is pretty niche. Um, so so I, I actually don't, particularly no but no look look I my background is actually in architecture um so I think for me I guess I've always in a way been making things to a certain extent um but yeah I just I spent yeah 10 years in architecture worked um locally and in Europe and I think throughout that journey of um, working on a lot of construction, I just was exposed, obviously, to the huge amounts of waste within the construction industry. Um, and really along that journey became quite obsessed with the materials that I was using, um, you know, specifically like the timbers, for example, and um, amongst other things. And just like always, they would be arriving on site wrapped in this plastic product, even if it was a really sustainable offering. Um, and it felt like no one was really tackling that problem. And then, you know, sort of like around that time, I met um, my husband and co-founder, Geordie, who um, was also shipping just a, a heap of stuff wrapped in wrapped in stretch wrap. And it just kind of all kicked off from there. I think it started as quite like a naive, like, oh, this is a great problem to solve. Let's do it. Um, and yeah, flash forward four years and we've got like this 12,000 square meter factory behind me. So <laughs> it's, yeah, been a funny journey. Husband wife duo running something is that uh, is that hard? Um, no, we love it. I I don't think it's for every couple, but um, I don't remember a, like a Geordie and me before Great Rap. So we met and we registered the business name like three months later, 
um, three months after that we were engaged and then we were married. Like it's just always been a part of our dynamic and we set pretty healthy boundaries and it, it works really well. <laughs> I feel like it's an yeah. advantage because you can go home, you can talk about all the stuff, you can like work longer hours because like to get things going, like we say it all the time, but like you have to put in the work and I feel like if you're spending all all the time together, it must make it easy for when things come up, you can like solve problems quicker. Yeah, definitely. And look, I you know, I've got a bunch of founder friends now and I actually, I do think it's an advantage because, you know, there's often this thing that you have when you're building a business where you feel like you have to choose between spending time with your family or working on the business um, and there's a guilt associated with that. And I think in a, whether it's healthy or not, um, <laughs> we don't have to sort of face that problem. Um, you know, we don't have kids yet either. So that probably adds to it. But yeah, it, it's really good. Like, I don't think it's for every couple. Um, but if you can make it work, um, it, the, the challenge is though, then when you've got a team and you've got to explain the, <laughs> the um, thought process, which is the reality of you just that over, um, you know, dinner and a bottle of wine and like nutted everything out. So <laughs> it's been good. I feel like, Locke, you, you and I are like work husbands, you know, the advantage is that we can be a bit more direct and honest with each other, which is uh, probably a oh, good thing. But it helps that we sleep in the same bed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. But hey, take us back. Like, Matt, what were the like three months in doing, like registering the business and making it happen? What was the pathway for you from going from being an architect to getting into this full time? Yeah. So I think, honestly, I didn't quit my job until probably like 18 months in. Um, so I was still working at the at the studio and then coming home and like slapping together websites and whipping up logos and Photoshop and things like that. But um, we had the advantage of obviously in Geordie's work, making wine is quite seasonal. So he, you know, had finished the season and could take that time off initially. So it really, in the early days, it started with just a lot of like reading scientific journals um, and just finding a solution. Um, we reached out to a contract manufacturer overseas initially um, to sort of test the product. And I guess in like startup terms, we were looking for, our, I guess, our MVP, right? So um, we found that product like I say, made the kind of half-baked website and did what we thought was, like, I guess, a product launch at the time. Um, and off the back of that, like, it was just on our own Instagram. Like, it wasn't anything crazy. Um, but we had, like, international airports reaching out to us and, like, really large wine um, companies reaching out wanting to use the product. And I think it was kind of around that point that I started to think, look, this problem, like, I can't do both of these things um, right now. And I think, you know, I had, a, had an amazing career in architecture, but it was sort of getting to the point where I was like looking for the next phase of learning, thought it might be within design, turned out it, turned out it wasn't. Um, but like definitely like the moment from, like it was kind of scary, like quitting, quitting my job because like, you know, I spent five or six years studying this thing, poured all of this <laughs> time into it. And I think a lot of my friends thought I was pretty crazy, like saying you want to manufacture uh, cling wrap. It just it <laughs> kind of didn't stack up. But I think, um, yeah, there were some real like moments. Like I'm trying to remember what was the trigger. Like I think it was like we got our first huge sales day after we had an article in Broadsheet or something like that. And, um, yeah, I just quit the job and then haven't haven't turned back. 
we're just like, fuck it, I quit. What a day. You know, you're just like all, all this hard work and stuff. And you're just like, that's the moment. The bubbles burst. I'm in, you know, let's get Pretty it. much, pretty much. And it was like, you know, I think we got a grant as well. And it was like, all right, we've got enough to like have a have a, a living wage at least for the next couple of months. Let's go for it. So, yeah, it was cool. It was a really fun moment. If people want to understand a bit more about where it actually started to where it's got to now, can you explain about what, what do you guys actually do? Yes. So um, we manufacture the product, I guess, the stretch wrap ourselves um, at our factory in Tullamarine. So we make cling wrap for home, which is like a, it's like a, I don't want to say brand name, but like <laughs> you'd call it a saran wrap um, in the US um, for home. We do pallet wrap. So basically anything on the back of like a truck is usually wrapped in plastic. Um, and we also are launching with a catering wrap soon. So we make all of those products here. Our factory is like the size of um, two football fields. Um, and we're working with some really great Australian businesses and kind of looking to expand into the the US market. Um, so that's kind of like one portion of the business. It's very product focused. But then I think there's another, another I guess, sector of the business, which is really um, in that material science field. And so we have a team that is essentially, basically there's a biopolymer called PHA um, and that's not only um, home compostable but it breaks down in the ocean as well. So we're working on pathways to um, basically essentially set up a biorefinery so we can be making all of our own inputs on site here as well. So does that mean you get to get the lab coat out and go on a walk through and the Bunsen beaker, the Bunsen burner? Bunsen beaker. I feel like <laughs> yeah. if you had a big manufacturing plant, Lock would be walking through in the lab coat all day. Just It'd to be make like it... Breaking Bad. All right, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a bit of that, and it's really fun because <laughs> I am just like, you know, I've learned a lot about the the lab lab life now, but it's not not my background. So yeah, a lot of time in the lab, which is cool. What about just like the the learning curve of, hey, we're going to start this the rap business, we're going to do this, telling your friends and family I'm going to go full-time in it now, like turning up to work and having this crazy big factory and all this other stuff going. Did you think it was going to get to that point as quickly as it did or let alone did you think it could in the first place? I don't know. It's really hard to explain. Like I knew it was a huge opportunity but I don't think in my head I'd ever like mapped out what that day-to-day would look like. Um, like I never saw, like when we started the business, even though we were like, we're getting into manufacturing, we're getting into material science, we kind of had no idea what that actually, actually what, like not what it was, but like I didn't expect to have this huge factory. Um, I think, yeah, particularly the timeframes being pretty crazy, uh, you know, like I think, when you've got such a unique product offering for such a big problem in the market, there is like you feel like you're kind of running a race. So you want to get as big as, as you can quickly. And with products like pallet wraps, you know, if you're talking to a large customer, like one customer is using enough wrap to circumnavigate the globe 10 times each year. So like the scale gets really big really quickly. Um, so you kind of have to have to do this. But, um, yeah, I think it's been a lot of just – personal growth pretty much every day <laughs> what about feedback from like a you mentioned some of the pallet wraps i saw some of the stuff as we were getting ready for this chat around new stuff that you're coming doing around in that space how is it different what are some of the feedback people are saying and can you go into a bit more of like the use cases of what you're trying to solve for that 
Yeah, so like typically, I mean, great example. We just did a case study with um, Spiral Foods. So they're a big food producer. They send products to, you know, every supermarket in Australia essentially. Um, but the product that they were typically typically using, so they whack it on a pallet, wrap it in plastic, that goes into landfill, which will stick around forever. Um, our product is exactly the same performance-wise. Um, but that will break down into a compost pile and um, return CO2 to soils. So we've developed a partnership on making sure it goes to compost. Um, yeah, like the performance is exactly the same. And, yeah, I just think if you think about plastics, the plastic problem in general, um, I think the hardest problem to solve is the soft plastic sector and we just really thought that pallet wrap is a, is the largest addressable part of that market. So, yeah, it's, yeah, big one. What about day-to-day life for you? Like what, what problems are you solving? How does What does it look like? I mean, um, do, is there travel involved? I mean, working with the team and stuff, like what does a normal week look like? Yeah, um, great questions. Always pretty different. There's a lot of, a lot of travel involved at certain times. Like, you know, this year because we've got research partners in Belgium, so have to go over and visit their labs, which is super cool. Um, Also, probably I should explain, like, the way um, Geordie and I split our roles is really important too. So we're co-CEOs, but basically um, anything to do with the product or manufacturing and innovation, Geordie kind of owns that. And then I'm kind of on the sales and brand side of things. So pretty much anything external. So it'll be like, hopping on a plane to go to Arkansas in the US to meet a big customer or um, it's like all of that fun, glamorous stuff. And then it's like coming into the factory, doing a product trial, seeing if something sticks on on a a bowl, like really basic stuff. Um, And then, yeah, working from the factory, working from home, (laughs) working wherever I can really. It's just like all over the, all over the shop, which is really cool. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Were there other brands or people that you've met along the way now that are also working in that impact space that you took inspiration from or you like what they were doing or like what was like the driving force to to say, because it is a big change. You can imagine the conversation you're having with friends and family of, hey, I've, I've studied all this time. I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to do this. To get into the world of startups is another beast in itself, but <laughs> let alone choosing to be in, in the sort of this space and putting good back in the world a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it was something that I always wanted to do um, or I figured that out kind of slowly. Like I think for me I got into architecture because I thought that design had the potential to, you know, create a a better future essentially. Like if you're doing a good job in architecture or the built environment, something can last 100 years and have a significant impact on a community um, was kind of the way I thought about it. As, as I moved through my career, I, I, you know, I realised that was probably going to be a bit of a slower process and something that I might not actually get to see um, in my day-to-day job. So I think that was kind of like bubbling under the surface when the whole idea for Grey Wrap came to be. Um, and then I think it was also just like at a point in life, like, you know, this was kind of 2020. There was kind of like <laughs> kind of felt like the world was burning um, and it just, it kind of made sense. I think it's only sort of later um, along the journey that I've met people in the impact space um, that I find really inspiring. Like 
it's like once you're doing it, they they all seem to appear. But I, I found it really hard to, um, I guess, find those inspirations at the beginning. Or I guess I just didn't know where to look. Like I knew what the startup scene was, but I didn't really have any sort of connection to it yet. So, yeah. What about for all the... um. Well, a lot of our listeners are like uh, young people doing startups and keen to get things moving and that. Is there any advice that you would give to them over your journey building great rap like that you would sort of give to someone young starting out or in the early days of like setting up their startup? Yeah, um, probably a bit of a, a bit of I'm, I'm sure they've got this in other ways, but just like really understand the problem. Um, and I think the way that we've done that is always, always, always be speaking to your customers, like as much as possible. Um, you know, a big part of what we do is a direct consumer brand and that allows us to have that direct feedback with our customers so that we can iterate on the product really quickly. Another benefit of manufacturing your own product means that you can do that. Um, but I think one of the traps is to think that the problem in your head is is the problem that needs to be solved. But if you can't find a customer, or like if it's not solving someone's need, um, it's just not going to work. So I think having as many conversations, really building on that research, and it doesn't have to be in a formal way. Like it's it's just you learn over time. Um, but I think that's been our biggest, like uh, that's what I would do. When you're talking to people all over the world and where you're selling an Aussie-made product or doing different stuff, how are they, what's the feedback you're getting? What, what are people saying and where does it go next for you guys? Yeah, I mean, they're really, really, really excited. Um, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I think we think of ourselves as like cute Australians, like not necessarily leading the way, um, but definitely in our space, um, there's no product like ours on the market. So we've got, you know, um, huge car brand from Germany just this morning, like reaching out, wanting to trans- transform all of their factories over to using our products. Um I think next for us, we're really focused on expanding into the US. I think just in terms of like actual consumption of plastic there, the market is huge. Um, we've kind of seen Australia as a bit of a, a bit of a testing ground really and to build that playbook of how the manufacturing will look. Um, so at the moment we're working through, I guess, kind of securing demand in the US so that we can go and fund a second factory over there or find a partner there. I think... Yeah, like our goal is to create a marine degradable plastic for the same price and same performance, but it's not, It's we don't want it to be a niche product. Like we want to get rid of plastic essentially. So we kind of have to keep scaling pretty quickly. You, you mentioned that it's what, two footy fields big here, the factory out, out in Tulla Marine and how big would it have Tala. to be? Out in Tulla, we love that. Yeah, you know, yeah, too. Yeah. What how big does it have to be to do and, and, and service a market like, like America? And, what, and for those like, we haven't had too many people really deep in the sort of the manufacturing space come on the pod. We'd love to get into maybe the challenges that goes into, hey, we're going to tackle a new market, but we've got to actually set up operations or ship from somewhere or figure out how mm. we service that new demand. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, what? So, look, I think like, you know, realistically to take over 80% of the US market, we'd need three three times this site, probably in three different locations. Um, biggest challenges with manufacturing. I mean, there's a lot, right? Like it's, it's unfortunately, it's not like a tech company. It's, it's really hard to forecast the way you're going to grow because you can't just do the simple sort of multiple. 
um, I shouldn't say simple. I obviously don't run a tech company and I'm way oversimplifying. So <laughs> sorry to anyone who's listening. I've got a lot of respect for you. Um, but there's just things like, you know, um, our extrusion lines are made in Austria. Um, there's an 18-month lead time on having one of those built. So you've got to have your forecast mapped out for, you know, at least three years. Um, so the challenge is in being able to predict that demand so that you're not overstretching yourself from a capital perspective and you're not under <laughs> um, being able to supply. So I think that's that's really, really hard. And I think um, probably why we're trying to secure that demand in the US before we go over there, because um, I think the biggest risk for us would be like, oh, look, we've assumed there's a heap of demand. We've had all of these great chats. The volumes are huge um it's really like we want to lock that contract in and then you know go to the bank and fund it that way I think um but yeah there's a lot I think it's just having really great like our team in manufacturing is amazing like we've got amazing mechanical engineers like without them like it would be yeah would be screwed really well it's like when we made the mistake with Obies when we thought hey we're having a lot of good conversations people are posting it on Instagram and then we got a big load of stock in before Christmas and no one bought anything. <laughs> we forecasted really wrong, Julia, didn't we? Yeah. That was one of the early learnings for us. We were like, oh, fuck, yeah. you know, but they were good though. Yeah, they, they were, good, they good, were good grouse. Shoes, they were good right. shoes. Anyway, a hey, question we asked, like, <laughs> a bit of a mental health question. What do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Yeah, good question. Mental health is a big one. Um, and I'm glad you're talking about it because it is like any job's hard, running a business is hard. Um, I am closer to figuring it out now than I was two years ago, which is super cool. Um, uh, I've actually found, believe it or not, everything they say about eating healthy and exercising actually works. <laughs> Sounds simple. Um, but yeah, I think I try and really keep, um, a good routine there. Just like try and do some really like, try and sweat it out five days a week. Like I've thought for a while that I was like oh you know but if I skip this day and like it just doesn't seem to work so I think really getting that routine in place is pretty critical um obviously you can probably assume from like the business that that we've built that we love the ocean um so just taking time to be by the beach as much as possible and I think setting boundaries like particularly I mean for us it's really hard because we can easily go and work 48 hours um if we want uh because we're laying in bed next to each other or we're <laughs> in the car to work or something like that but really just um being quite strict about it and having discipline um has helped and I think in the early days we probably were just like you know keep working for as, as long as it took and just be like oh we'll get burnt out we'll be fine like we'll figure it out and I think it's like you hear it all the time but it really is like a marathon so you just kind of got to take the time in small chunks so you don't need like a huge heap of time off because you're totally frazzled I felt like that like when we first started the pod we just had to like doing so much to keep the wheels running it's like we if we stop maybe things don't happen the way we want it to or grow and then you can really get like we just need to keep going to make sure nothing fucks up or nothing derails, you know? So it's like yeah. keep the momentum going. But then when you realise, we're like, we're not going to do anything else with our life besides this. So we got to chill chill a bit, chill you know? Bit. Like, come on, like, what's going yeah. on? Like, you know? Get outside, get some sunshine, get in the beach and enjoy some fresh air. It's hard when you're working and you're putting in the hours because it takes yeah. a lot of hours to get stuff done. So, like, I feel like, I don't know, it's so hard. The trade-offs are real, you know, to get stuff going and moving early doors. Like, you need to put in the hours, but you need to know that you need to rest at some point too because, like, 
we feel about having like rest goals you know what i mean like by this month or something we're hoping to have like a wind down week at yeah, the end of the year yeah, something like that you know like- makes it easier you know well so you've got actual rest goals that's good Oh, well, not really. First we- time he's ever said it out loud, so I don't know if we count. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying it counts because we take, like, uh, what is it, Gooch Week between Christmas and New Year's off. Yeah. That's a week you off. You do daily bath, so. I, I used to do daily bath. Rob didn't like uh... it because we'd, we'd have meetings and that, and it'd be, like, 1 o'clock in the Arvo. You'd be in the bath. You know would be like, hey, I'm on, I'm on Excel, <laughs> crunching numbers. What's this guy doing? He's on the computer. I don't know if that's Excel. You can't be on. I used to edit pods in the bath. You can't be on video calls in yeah. the nude. I don't reckon that's <laughs> it. I don't reckon. Yeah. No, oh. we do baths good, actually. Yeah, baths are actually on the list. I've been having nice magnesium baths lately. It's really nice. <laughs> oh, it's good. I used to work at a, a float tank center, and I used to float every day for about <laughs> six months. And I was like, nice. this is the dream. Because you just. I don't know. We were living together at the time and I was working corporate, like putting the suit on every day, going to the city and Locke was <laughs> squeezing into his chinos. Locke was, uh? Locke was working at the fucking float tank centre doing back-to-back floats and coming home like... He's just like, oh, I've had a hard day. I go, bro, just chill. You know, he was, he was the most mellow person you've ever met in your whole life. I can, like, yeah. For sure, 100%. That's why you like being around me now. I'm stress Yeah, you're uh, stressed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what, what, what are you learning about at the moment? What are your thoughts yeah. on like... Like keeping up to date, I feel like the world of technology has been pretty crazy the past 12 months with like AI and all the other new stuff that's sort of popping off. How do you keep up to date with your industry and what are you learning about? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a broad question. Um, how do I keep up? Like listen to heaps of podcasts. I mean, obviously, always a big one. I've, I guess I've got heaps of friends in the industry now. So just like catching up with them is really a um, big part of it. Um, what I'm learning about, though, I actually try and this is probably part of my mental health strategy as well, is I try and also be reading about stuff outside of work. Um, I think in the past, I was just like, you know, when I was working in architecture, it was like, go to work, read nonfiction about design. And, you know, I was just like crazy for it. Um, but now I'm just trying to read as broadly as possible. So I think like the last book I read was it was, it was, I'm totally going to butcher this, but it was fascinating. It was about the the first like scientist and philosopher in like six BCE, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, but he's essentially the first guy who was like, hang on a second, like the rain and the waves are, aren't caused by the gods. These are natural forces at play. And it was just this pivot in, you know, when we, as humans and the school of thought like started to shift away from that like supernatural um power and I, I don't know it was just it was really interesting to be reading that and then you know seeing what's going on with tech at the moment because it's like these like little jumps happen um throughout humanity and i just feel like ai is one of those exciting jumps when we'll like look back and be like oh my god remember when we were really scared or like <laughs> like yeah Oh, I love that. I feel that. We've had a few uh, podcast guests on where they've sort of been young with the tech boom, like the internet, you know what I mean? When the internet's first coming, they're just learning to code and, and they've built businesses for like the last 20, 30 years. And it's like the riding that wave when it's hot of like every, I feel like a lot of it's timing and luck, you know, like what, what, what the decade you're born into, what resources you have. What you're doing at the time of when new stuff comes out or you're yeah. making changes. Do you have an opportunity to introduce any of that or are you just going to sit on the back and, and read about some stuff that's coming through and you don't have a, any opportunity in your work or what you do to implement it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Timing, mate. Huh? Timing, mate. We're lucky. Timing, timing. Good timing. I think situation as well, like um, that's a great thing about you know, doing your own things like, oh, I want to try this out in the business, see how it goes, and, and you're just able to do it without 
you know, in the early days when you've kind of got a boss and you're within the corporate structure, it's a bit harder to get that opportunity just to give everything a go. You guys are a, a B Corp. We'd love, we've had a, a bunch of people on the pod who have gone down this pathway. I feel like it really makes sense with what you're doing, but can you go into a bit about the decision why to go down that pathway and what you like about it and for others who might be considering it? Yeah. Um, look, I think in the early days, um, I, you know, before having run my own business, I just, there was a huge amount of trust and respect on any business I saw with that B Corp logo. Um, so when we started Great Rap, I knew I wanted us to be a B Corp just because it brings with it um, just that that trust and, and I guess understanding of your values really, really quickly. Um, probably what I didn't realise is is that the huge community <laughs> that comes with being a part of a B Corp, um, the B Corp community. So, yeah, that's been a really um, amazing uh, bonus that I started to see as we were going through the application process and, um, yeah, there's just so many, I don't know, you know, the minute you're in, it's like there's all of these creative agencies and amazing studios that, that just like love banding together. And um, I think it means or like you can kind of tell your values aligned, like you don't have to explain <laughs> your story too much. Um, so I think if you're thinking about doing it, definitely I would recommend it. Probably like allow a bit of time for it because it was, <laughs> I think it took us about 18 months. Um, and we just kind of chipped away at it, but it was really, really worthwhile. Hey, we're getting to the pointy end of the year now, which is, it's, it's still weird to say. I feel like this oh, year has definitely flown. I don't know if it has up. for you, but uh, yeah. what are you excited about for the rest of the year and what can we expect to see uh, at the start of next? Uh, ooh, personal or work? <laughs> Either, whatever you want to, bit of both, bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. I mean, yeah, I can't say too much, but there's some very fun products coming out of Great Wrap um, very early next year, some very fun partnerships, um, which we're working on behind the scenes now, which is super exciting. So factories getting getting ready and marketing teams working really hard. So that's super exciting. Um, on a, you know, I'm really excited about the Christmas holidays. I'm, I'm from Perth and I'm going home for the first, first summer um, in a while. So looking forward to sitting on the beach there. But yeah, I think next year is going to be a really crazy year for Great Rap. I think we'll really start to um, spend a bit more time in the US and kind of map map that out. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Lots to look forward to, you know. Good yeah. good break next year, US. Sounds good. We wanted to go to the States, didn't we? We want to go watch the basketball, though, don't but we? It's not really it doesn't scan as work. It does. Well, Thanks, receipts. Well, well, thank you so much for jumping on. And we do apologize with the funny joke at the start of the episodes. We yeah, had before a, you moved on before, yeah. We had a false we had a false start yesterday. <laughs> Locks sitting internet free at his house. And oh. the joke was that you just had a crazy guest come to the to the factory and had a bit of a different morning yesterday. And then we're following it up talking to a couple of uh yeah. knuckleheads. Low lifes. Low yeah, low lives. I definitely <laughs> didn't say I definitely didn't say. Yeah, we, we hold you to you. Yeah. We definitely heard you say low lives. I definitely thank, didn't. <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on. Unreal to pick your brain. Thanks so much for the chat. Julia Kay, what can I say? Another banging episode on the Funny Business Podcast. If you love us, leave us a review. Tell a friend. Do all the good stuff. Uh, share a story, actually, because we'll share it back. And what did they used to say back in the day? Pick for pick or comment for comment back in the day on, on MySpace. We'll give it a share. We'll give it some love. and. Thank you.
Oh, another cracking episode from the Funny Business Boys. Caleb Holstein, co-founder of Squarex Innovations here, just wanted to jump on and give you guys a quick update. Squarex is currently open for investment. If you're interested in learning more about what we do at Squarex and want to get involved in the digital future of agricultural supply chains, reach out to me via LinkedIn or you can reach out to the Dream Big Social Club team and join us securing the digital future of the coffee supply chain and beyond.